Welcome to the Brain Over Binge podcast, where you learn a simple brain-based approach to ending binge eating. Today is the second Q&A podcast, and I want to thank everyone who has submitted questions to me. There have been some great questions, and I hope to get to many of them. And I also hope that even if you haven't submitted a question, or even if I'm not answering your specific question, I hope that these episodes help you troubleshoot any issues that you may be facing in recovery. I hope you can gain some valuable insights that you can apply right away, or just that these episodes spark some ideas for you, because really it's your own insights that are going to help you the most. For those of you who may be new to the podcast, in order to submit a question to me, you need to sign up to get my newsletter, and you can do that by clicking the link in the show notes to get my free ebook. When you sign up to get that free ebook, you'll automatically be subscribed to the newsletter, which comes out on the first of every month, and in that newsletter, you'll find the link to submit questions to the podcast. Before I get started with today's episode, I want to give you one quick update. Some of you may have already listened to the special episode last week, which was episode 35A. And for those of you who didn't, I want to let you know that the Brain Over Binge 8-week group course is currently on hold while Cookie Rosenblum deals with a health issue. But we know that many of you want support and want coaching right now, so there is another option for you, which involves getting the course material through our independent study version and then following up with our after-course support group where you can get coaching from me on group calls, you can get a Facebook support group, plus some additional resources. So if you want more information about that, you can listen to the previous episode, which is episode 35A, and you can also visit brainoverbinge.com coaching to learn more. For today's show, I'm going to discuss one question that was submitted to me by James. I'll typically discuss more than one question, but when I started thinking about this question, I realized that there are many areas to discuss in order to fully address it. On the surface, it might seem like a simple answer might work, but I think that a deeper discussion is really necessary here. Here's the question from James. He says, if there was a little more data explaining the stress that one puts on the physical body, the heart, the kidneys, liver, intestines, and digestion from eating large volumes of food, it would be another chip in favor of not binging late at night. I find the physical hard truths help me in the moments of temptation. There's already so much information surrounding the harmful effects of additives, sugar, pesticides, and artificial foods, but very little that focuses solely on volume processing or food volume. James gave an example of what he'd like to know in sort of a fill-in-the-blanks format. And he said, by eating large volumes late at night, it places stress on your blank and prevents your blank from the repair it would typically undergo in the parasympathetic state. Over time, chronically, a habit like this can create blank and potentially lead to more serious conditions such as blank. And James, I really appreciate the thought you put into this question and how well you explain yourself. James said, as a little background, that he eats healthy food during these late-night eating episodes or late-night binges, but it's really the timing that he struggles with. And he hopes that by gaining a better understanding of the science behind late-night large-volume eating and its effects on the body, it may help him in the more difficult moments of late-night temptation. I can tell that James is very intelligent and is working very hard at recovery and using his higher brain power to overcome the binges. And it makes sense to have concrete reasons that you want to recover. And improving your health and avoiding physical consequences are really some great motivations for ending the binge eating habit. But James, I've decided that I don't think that just filling in the blanks is going to be enough here. I think that I would like to discuss this deeper and kind of give you some new ways to think about what you've asked here. 
Another reason that I don't think filling in the blanks will be enough is because I'm the one answering the question and I'm not a doctor. I'm not a gastroenterologist. I'm not an expert on your internal digestive organs. So, you know, even though I might be able to give you some possible consequences, I can't talk extremely specifically about all the processes involved. And James, I know that you know I'm not a doctor. I know you're not asking me to be a gastroenterologist, but I just want to make clear that anything I say in this episode or any other episode should not be taken as me giving medical advice, because that's not what this podcast is about. None of the Q&A episodes or any other discussions should substitute treatment from a qualified health professional. And even if I were a doctor answering this question, everybody's body is different. Everyone's physiology is unique, and people's organs and brain chemicals respond in unique ways that are not always predictable. So let's say that I was an expert on the internal digestive organs and I gave you really well-defined reasons, you still don't know if those reasons would apply to your unique body and your unique metabolism. I guess when it comes to the body, there are not as many hard truths, as you said, as we would like. I mean, there are certainly actions and behaviors that increase risk, but you know, as far as predicting exactly what may happen, it's much harder to do. All of that being said, I am going to share some very simple, basic, possible problematic effects of large volume eating, and specifically large volume eating at night, but I want to make clear that it's not coming from an expert. And my primary goal of this discussion is to help give you new ways to think about the physical effects of your problematic eating habits, because I believe that can be even more effective than learning the exact physiological measurable effects of your behavior. Just think of all the smokers in this world who know their risk, who know exactly what may happen, yet they still continue their habit. I mean, I do believe that knowing the physical consequences, like the possible things that could happen, I do think it's a good thing overall. Like in smoking, it does raise awareness. You know, people aren't just blindly smoking thinking it's fine. It does give an overall push toward quitting. It raises awareness, it gets people thinking that maybe they should quit, and it really prevents people from taking up the habit in the first place if they know what the physical consequences could be. So it's not that knowing the physical effects is a bad thing or that it's unhelpful, it's just that it's not the whole picture. Because in that moment of wanting a cigarette, for example, the long-term and even the short-term physical consequences aren't typically enough by themselves to make the person not light up that cigarette. It takes really learning how to deal with that desire, learning how to deal with that urge to smoke. And I think it's the same with binging. You have to learn how to deal with the urges in the moment because in that moment, you're not going to think about the long-term consequences because that's not the part of your brain that's operating. The part of your brain that's operating is that lower primal brain that only wants what it wants right now. So when I get to these possible consequences of binging or large volume eating, know that you can use this as one motivating factor that makes you sort of want to recover overall, but you'll still need to learn to dismiss the urges in the moments that you feel like you want to binge. Because in those moments, your lower brain is going to tell you that the consequences don't apply to you or they won't actually happen or it really doesn't matter what happens because the binge will be worth it. And that's the neurological junk that you need to learn to dismiss. I'm going to tell a brief personal story here that relates to learning the consequences of binging. Um, When I was binging, this was, you know, 15 years ago or so, I remember hearing consequences of binging. And 
the consequences that I read mostly had to do with purging. And I learned, you know, through my therapist or different online resources that purging after binges led to these really extreme consequences like electrolyte imbalances, irregular heartbeat that could lead to, you know, a cardiac arrest. I learned that purging caused damage to the esophagus. I learned that it caused tooth decay and just a lot of terrible things that could happen from purging. But since I did not self-induce vomiting, I kind of wondered what my consequences were aside from the obvious weight gain that I was experiencing. There seemed to be less imminent danger in what I was doing, which was eating thousands and thousands of calories at a time, you know, then exercising the day after for long periods of time. So, I mean, I knew it wasn't good for me, but it didn't seem like the consequences that I read online applied to me because I was not purging in that way. And I knew that the foods I was eating were stressing my system. I knew it was probably causing blood sugar imbalances and emotional stress and I knew my extreme exercise was definitely causing exhaustion and just maybe some muscle damage, but there didn't seem to be anything like really terrible I could point to, like this is going to happen if you keep up this behavior. But at one point during my worst days of binging during college, I remember reading that eating too much food at one time could lead to stomach tearing. And I don't remember where I read this, but this thought just kind of stuck and it created some fear in me. And sometimes when I would binge and during binges, when I started to get just really full, this thought would pop up in my head and it would lead to kind of this sense of panic, like, oh my goodness, this is going to happen and I'm so scared. And it would sometimes reduce the amount of food I ate during a binge, but it never completely stopped me. It was like the fear would be enough to end my binges just a little bit sooner so that instead of eating to the point of being in extreme stomach pain, I would just stop sooner. So yes, James, I can totally see that, you know, knowing the dangers that you face does do something for you. It does give you some sort of motivation to change your behavior in some way. But I want to remind you again that it's not the whole picture. Because even if that you know, stomach tearing scenario that I was scared of, even if that didn't exist, I still would not have wanted to binge. If a doctor would have came up and told me, you know what, binging is not a big deal, it's not really going to affect you physically long term. Your body can definitely cope with it without it leading to any major problems. I still would have wanted to stop. Even if I knew that there was no imminent danger, even if I knew that there was no permanent long-term damage occurring and that my body could cope with the binges, I could not cope with it. Binging made me feel awful. The weight gain was certainly part of that, but it was more than just the weight. Binging made me feel ashamed, it made me hate myself, it made me tired, bloated, and just plain terrible. It made me miss out on my life. It made me feel less capable of accomplishing things and going after other goals or being in relationships. It made me miss out on so much in my life. It made me put food above other things that I knew were more important. And I just did not want it in my life regardless of what measurable physical consequences there may have been. I didn't want the consequences that I could feel. And I think there's a difference between the consequences that you feel and the consequences that may show up on blood work or on CAT scans. I guess what I'm trying to say is that I wanted to quit whether or not someone could prove the damage it was causing to my body. Because I just knew it was causing me damage to my life and my well-being. And I just knew I'd be better off without it. So James, I want you to think about how this late night, large volume eating, if you're calling it binging or overeating, how is that making you feel? What are the physical effects that you're experiencing? You know, whether or not those physical effects would show up on blood work or other testing. 
What are the emotional effects that you feel? How do you feel in the morning? You know, how do you feel when you wake up and you have not done that behavior the night before versus how you feel when you have engaged in that behavior before bedtime the night before? Really examine how you feel physically and emotionally. What's your mindset and how is it different when you do or don't binge? What is your mood like? And that could be in the morning, throughout the day, or even when you're finished binging and you're having to deal with that shame. What's your stress level like? How is this binging creating stress for you or creating unnecessary anxiety? These are things that maybe can't necessarily be measured. Maybe these aren't things that you can directly see on testing, but it is still causing damage to your health and to your life. As far as late night eating, also think about your sleep. I mean, it's very important to see how this large volume eating is affecting your sleep because your sleep is such a huge factor in overall health. So if it's creating sleep disturbances, then it's definitely something that's creating physiological problems for you because anytime you lose sleep or your sleep is disrupted, that can create so many health effects and that's very well documented. Look at your energy levels like throughout the day when you do or when you don't binge and You know, there are things that can bring our energy up or down. There are things that can bring our mood up or down that have nothing to do with eating. But just kind of look for the things that you think are due to the binging and see how your day and your life and your energy compare when you do or when you don't binge. And I think when you really get into answering these questions, that's how you determine why you want to quit binging. No matter what a doctor may tell you as far as what physical consequences that the binging is causing you. Answering these questions may take some self-searching, but I think the answers that come up will be much more powerful to you than any evidence that I might be able to present you about the possible consequences. So James, try to take a look at what you feel like the late night large volume eating is doing to you without really any complex medical explanations for it. Just take a look at what negative effects it's causing in your life. So I think that's my main piece of advice, but I do want to back up because I know you ask for specific potential consequences that could provide sort of a chip in favor of not binge eating. So now I am going to discuss that a little bit, of course, with the disclaimer that I'm not a doctor and I cannot predict exactly what's happening in your unique body or anyone else who's listening. I'm going to state three simple things that could be potential issues from large volume eating. And I want to remind you that James is not eating unhealthy during these episodes, so it's about the amount of food, not the type of food. These three things are very simple because I do believe in a keep it simple approach. But James, it seems like you're very intelligent, so I do encourage you to take this basic information that I'm going to share and then use it as a launching point to do your own examination and research into these possible issues if you feel like it would benefit you. The first potential consequence has to do with the basic principle that too much of anything is not good for us, even if it's healthy. You know, and this happens for a variety of reasons. Water is one obvious example, and also things like vitamins can be another example. It just shows you that our bodies are built for moderation, and too much of any one thing, even if it's a healthy thing, can produce stress. So when we're talking food and putting too much volume of food in our bodies— What happens is the organs that take part in the digestion and the assimilation of that food become stressed. And when organs become stressed, they can be prone to a variety of disorders or digestive issues. Now, again, it's not always completely predictable, but stress on the organs is definitely not a good thing. Too much volume of food can also potentially lead to malabsorption of nutrients. 
because when we tax the digestive system, it becomes more difficult for it to do its job. The stomach has to work double time to release digestive enzymes, to break down the food. The liver has to kind of work overtime to make bile and stabilize cholesterol levels or blood sugar and filter out the toxins. It also affects circulation because the heart has to work really hard to pump blood to the stomach to help the digestion of this large volume of food. And that diverts blood from other parts of the body, specifically the brain, so it can lead you to feeling more foggy and unable to concentrate. Now, when talking about this strain on the internal organs, I'm not really addressing weight, but of course, if the large volume eating is leading to weight gain and unhealthy weight gain, then there are the consequences of that as well. And consequences of weight gain can be multifaceted and complex and unique to each individual, but that is, of course, one factor at play. The second potential negative effect of eating large volumes late at night is because there's some evidence that insulin sensitivity has sort of a circadian rhythm. There's been some research that shows that insulin response to food increases as the day goes on and at night. And this means that the same food eaten earlier in the day may result in a smaller insulin response than that same food eaten later at night, which later at night it may result in a more exaggerated blood sugar and insulin response. And I want to stop here and say that does not mean that you should never eat at night again. Like I said, everyone's body is different, and I don't think that night eating is inherently bad. And in some cases, a normal amount of food eaten late at night can be very helpful for people. Like, for example, you know, bodybuilders have long eaten protein before bed to help their muscles regenerate and prevent muscle loss at night. And certain carbohydrates can contribute to healthy cortisol levels when they're eaten at night and really actually help sleep cycles. These are just a couple examples, but I just want to make clear that just because I'm saying the insulin response can potentially be more exaggerated at night, that does not mean I'm saying you should never eat at night. You can listen to more of my perspective on late night eating in podcast episode 26. Regardless of your opinion on normal amounts of food late at night, what I'm talking about here is eating large volumes of food or binge eating late at night and not just the normal amount. So the insulin response, I think, is something to definitely consider there because if you're consistently eating these large volumes and creating an insulin response, then that is a factor. And most of us know that optimizing blood sugar control and insulin response is definitely important for overall health and preventing disease down the road. The last potential negative effect of eating large volumes of food either late at night or anytime is that it physiologically kind of sets us up to want to do it again. Even though binging is primarily lower brain driven, even though urges are the one direct cause of binging, there are physiological effects in the body. When you binge, you stretch your stomach. The receptors can become less sensitive so that you feel less full over time on normal amounts of food. Also, there are hormonal effects of eating really large volumes of food that, again, kind of perpetuate the habit or make it easier to repeat. One hormonal effect that I'm going to point out has to do with leptin. And leptin is a hormone that signals fullness to the brain. When you binge repeatedly or you regularly overeat, it causes your body to produce more leptin, 
which can actually cause you to build up a resistance to it over time. And when that happens, it leads to kind of your brain not recognizing when you're full. And this is something that binge eaters experience a lot is that you get used to having these really large volumes of food and then smaller volumes just don't lead to that same fullness signal. And this is definitely something that over time and practice, your body can get back to normal. But knowing that each time you have these really large volumes, it physiologically kind of makes your body more likely to want to do it again. I mean, you can always dismiss those urges and set your body on the track to healing itself. But just kind of knowing that you're perpetuating the habit physiologically, as well as reinforcing those pathways in your brain, I think it can help you want to avoid the behavior. And the sooner you can get to breaking that habit, the faster you set your body on a path to healing. James, I hope that you find this discussion helpful. And I know that these are simple potential effects. And again, I'm not a doctor and I can't predict exactly what's happening in your body. But I hope it gives you a starting point to maybe do some research on your own. But remember, what's the most important is the effect that you feel and the physical and emotional consequences that you experience and that you want to avoid just so that you can lead a better life. And to everyone listening, I hope that you've gained something from this discussion, and I hope that you'll join me again for the next Q&A podcast next month. I also want to mention that in this episode, I talked some about how important it is to learn to dismiss the binge urges in the moment. Because in those moments, you're likely not going to think about the physical consequences because your lower primal part of your brain is going to try to convince you that you don't really care about those consequences. It's actually not involved in your long-term goals. It's only involved in getting you to do what it thinks you need in that moment. So I want to tell you that to get started in learning to manage the urges in the moment, which I call dismissing the urges, you can get a copy of my free ebook and you can find that by looking in the show notes. There's a link there for the free ebook. Also in the show notes today, you'll find a link to learn more about the alternative to the eight-week group course that I mentioned earlier in the show. I truly hope that you're doing well and that you feel like you're on a path to freedom from the binge eating habit. As always, I want to encourage you and remind you that you have the power to change your brain and live a binge-free life. The Brain Over Binge podcast is produced and recorded by Brain Over Binge Recovery Coaching, LLC. All work is copyrighted by Brain Over Binge Recovery Coaching, LLC, and all rights are reserved. As a disclaimer, the hosts of the Brain Over Binge podcast are not professional counselors or licensed healthcare providers, and this podcast is not a substitute for medical advice or any form of professional therapy. Eating disorders can have serious health consequences, and you are strongly advised to seek medical attention for matters relating to your health. Please get help when you need it, and good luck on your journey.